0: Got to get that recorded for the folks up north um, mark chapter 4 parable of the sower and the soils and uh, it's an interesting study I, I wanted to go all the way from one to the end of it at 25 I, I know I won't be able to but um, we'll, we'll tease at the answer and look at the answer next week to the question laid out before us in, in the parable of the sower and the soils uh, let's pray and then we'll look at the text. Lord Jesus, I ask you to please be with me this morning as I uh, study and look at your word and, and share with my friends and family here, Lord. Uh, calm my heart and my soul for whatever reason, Lord, it's uh, it's off this morning, and I ask you to please be with me personally. Oh, Lord, be with us all together here as we look at the word and that we can glean something from it and take it out into the community that we, we love and, and share your hope and joy with uh, family, friends, and. And people we just cross paths with, the Lord. But be with us now as we look at your word. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. You. This is, uh, as we talked about for the last couple of weeks, the midpoint in Christ's uh, ministry on this earth. Uh, we saw where he was, uh, he selected his disciples who went up to the <coughs> mountain, prayed all night over it. Came down, selected them, went back home to, to get a rest. And uh, he was mobbed by people. And that was the ministry that he was going into now. And it, this is a real critical turning in his, in, his, uh, in his ministry. To this point, he was preaching and teaching and admonishing uh, the leaders of the, uh, the synagogues, the scribes, the Pharisees, and such. And this point now is where he first turns from that to speaking now in parables to people that, that uh, he wants them to understand what he's talking about. We saw last week that the scribes and the Pharisees... Uh, how they felt about Christ and how the Lord said, that's it. I, I can't do any more with you. I, I can't do any more with you. you. You laid your own bed. You've called me the the son of the devil. You say I preach because of uh, demons in me. Enough with you. You have laid your own lot. So now he turns the page and he starts talking in parables. And what I'd like to do this morning is, there's four questions that we need to answer before we uh, go through the text, but let's read it. Uh, Mark 4, 1. He began to teach again by the sea. And such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat and unto the sea and he sat down. And the whole crowd was, was by the sea on the land and he was teaching them. Many things in parables and was saying to them in his teachings, listen to this, behold, the sower went out to sow as he was sowing some seed fell beside the road and birds came and ate it up other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil and after the sun had risen it was scorched and because it had no root it withered away other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns came up choking it and it yielded no crop other seeds fell on the good soil and they grew up and increased, and they yielded crop and produced thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he was saying, he who has ears, let him hear. As soon as he was along with his followers, with his followers along with the twelve, he began asking him about the parables. And he said, And he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, they get everything in parables. So as he, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand. Otherwise they might return and be forgiven. Odd to say the least. If you put your mind in the mindset of the people that he initially said this to, parables were written. Not you know like when I go through the text, I I can take a sentence and delve into it for three weeks, and just key in on some key words and look at it. But parables weren't that way. they were a broader picture. They were, they were, they're not really meant to be dissected as much as the epistles are or others. Uh, it, it's just a broadcasting of a spiritual lesson in a worldly event. The crowd was on the shore. Jesus was in the boat on the lake, looking back at them, and he had the whole panorama of the land around him. And he comes up and he says, "Look!" And the crowd looks as he's pointing. A sower. What's he doing? And then Jesus goes in and tells them a beautiful picture, postcard, a storytelling of a spiritual truth with an earthly story. And he does that throughout, from this point forward, throughout his teachings. Matthew in Matthew 13 references eight parables. Mark has, I think, four. Mark and Matthew had different purposes for writing, but Mark lays this one out for us pretty clear. We're going to look at Matthew 13, too, to see some of where Matthew kind of stretches it a bit. But four things I want to bring out first. What is a parable? We don't really talk much in parables in our day and age, but a, a parable is a, a practical story. It's a story that Jesus took from the events that were happening so that the people in the crowd could connect with They were an agrarian society, and they understood the sowing and the reaping and the tilling of the soil. They got that. That, many of them did this for a living, so he uses that event to tell his story, and only like he could. It's often framed as a simile. It has a lot of comparisons, like like this or as that. As the sun rises, so the man, the son of man rises from the tomb. You know, it's a comparison, a simile. And we think of a few of them: the prodigal son. You know, there was a, a forgiving father, so he paints the picture of the prodigal son. <laughs> To show the, the glory of a forgiving father. And then we have the good Samaritan. You know, the, Showing compassion and love from someone that you wouldn't think would give compassion and love. But he turns to the Samaritan and says, here's this story. So pictures stories set in our minds much better than textual stories. Now, it, it, when I'm standing up here and I'm preaching and I'm going through and I say, like this word here, you know, Parables. The Greek meaning of it has got two parts, para and baleo. They just think, well, who cares? But if I can paint a picture and say a parable is a story that was told by a man of a natural event to show spiritual truth, you might remember that during the week. And that's what Jesus was doing. This And then the lost sheep. You know, God, God seeks out the lost and he used the picture of a sheep that's lost. And the 99 are safe and the one's gone away. But the loving father goes for the one sheep. That's what a parable is. The second one is, how how do we understand parables today? There's six points on this one. Listeners from the hearer's perspective. So we listen to this as the initial hearers of this story. What was their perspective? What were they seeing? What was Jesus telling them as he came out of what he had just come out of the last two weeks, or the last two weeks of our sermon? He, the, the same crowd saw Jesus point at the scribes and the Pharisees and say, You listen. And he's, the, the crowd saw all the miracles that Jesus was doing. And now the crowd is standing in front of him. They can't get to him because he went out in a boat. And Jesus is talking to them about a sower on the hill. What is, the crowd must be thinking, What is he, what is he doing? What, so who cares? We came to see if we could get healed. We came, to, we came to see the good show. We came for whatever reasons we came. And he's telling us about the guy on the hill. There's different people in the crowd. There's people in the crowd that came to seek the Lord, that came to faith in Christ. There's some in the crowd that came to see the fun, exciting stuff that was going on. You know, there was different entertainment back then than we have now. We had, we're we bombarded with entertainment, right? They didn't have the TVs and all the good stuff, you know, the movies and the cell phones and all this. So they, there was a big guy in town. They had to go out and see this. Such a crowd. Number two, he starts with the scene at hand, a sower on the shore. And then three, Jesus believed in the the ordinary, the common, the everyday things that we could see to show God and His kingdom. So He's using the, the events of that moment, as we'll see in the text, to explain to the crowd God's kingdom. Pay attention. Look, listen, listen to this. Behold, in verse three. I'm telling you something. Get your hands around this. There were some in the crowd that didn't understand that, this, this parable coming up at all, not at all. And there's some in the crowd that got it. And We'll see that in the text. The next thing we need to do is, is realize that. Look for the main point in the parables. Just look. Don't look for some esoteric thing. You know, if, if this this text uh, has been. Uh, preached a gajillion times Through history And every one of us that stands in the pulpit And tries to explain what the thorn meant What the bird meant What the, the guy in the path meant And the stone and the rocket All different things This morning we're not going to get into the in-depth Minutia of that We're going to look at what was he saying what's the, what's the big picture that Jesus is trying to get to To these original hearers, And it's, it's applicable to us too At the end we'll see Six one here's uh, they were spontaneous extemporaneous and unrehearsed Jesus didn't do like what I and other pastors do, we study all week we get this down pat so that we can stand up and explain the text Jesus did not do that in the parables He, they happened with events that he saw along the way he, he didn't study all week to, to explain the sow, the sowing and the seeds and the soil and all that he saw an event and he used it at that one. he just saw it and preached it next one Let let the truth of our perspective, the point of the parable is to get to people to see a spiritual truth through a story. Not trying to build on some grand doctrine of the church. He wants them to see the event, apply it to their lives, and see what's going to happen. Third point. Why do we have parables? One, Jesus was revealing truth to those that were believing the mysteries. This is evidence of God's mercy. We'll see it in the text, and it'll make sense. Jesus was revealing truth to those who were believing in the mystery. The ones that were hearing this story, the ones that heard this uh, parable and understood it, were his believers. They they got what he was saying. But the ones that were there that didn't have a relationship with Christ, they they didn't know what he was talking about. I, I could just picture... The big mob, and someone getting up and leaving and saying, oh, "This guy's really flipped." He, they're right. His mom and his brothers and sisters—they they were right. He's nuts. He's lost his mind. We saw a couple weeks ago. The Pharisees and the scribes—maybe they're right. Maybe we should just go back to the, the synagogue. And uh, he's he's flipped it, talking about <coughs> the, the, in this parable. The second one was Jesus was concealing the truth from those who were denying the obvious. Jesus was concealing truth from those who are denying the obvious. This is evidence of God's judgment. So in this text, we see God's mercy and God's judgment. Those that could hear the word, heard the word. Those that didn't, didn't. Last point, what is the kingdom of heaven? It is a redemptive rule in the reign of God in Christ on earth. It's the sovereign reign of God over everything in the universe. His authority in redemption of sinners through Christ the promised Messiah, all in this text. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. And Mark 10, 15 says, Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And the last one is, the point is this. Followers of Christ must receive the rule and reign like a child. In this story that we're going to look at, we must receive it at childlike faith. Because Christ found it important enough to say it to the crowd, have it remembered forever in Scripture, and for us today. It's not just a parable for somebody 2,000 years ago who was directed to them, but it's something that we can glean from today. And that's what I hope to do with this. Okay, let's look at the text. And he began to teach again by the sea. And such a very large crowd had gathered to him, and he got into the boat in the sea, and he sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea. That's the the, the opening salvo. So we have a picture of this in our minds. Verse 2. And he was teaching them many things in parables and saying to them in his teaching. So there he was. He took this moment, this this. Uh, this A moment in time when the crowd was there and not to rest, not to get in the boat and roll across the other side and flee. He said, Give me the opportunity again, one more time, for this crowd that's so odd to teach them something. Yeah, you know, the, reading the commentaries and such through the week, you know, the, the people try to make a big thing of it being on the water because the acoustics are so good. You can hear a whisper on the other side and all that. He was just trying to get back. Get back. Push back from the crowd. And when he got back, he said, Okay, I need to teach. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And was saying to them in this teaching, Listen to this. Behold. So when he says, Listen to this, he's saying, like we talked about last week, Truly, truly, it's the same concept here. Pay attention. Because this about what I'm about to teach you is very important. Behold. Look up on the hills, behold and see it. The sower went out to sow. That's profound, Jesus. That's pretty in-depth. There's got to be more to it. And as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came up and ate it. And other seed fell on the rocky ground, and it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it, it had no depth of soil. And as we're reading this, we're thinking about the spiritual truth of this. We, you know, we sowed the seed and went on the soil, and it wasn't very deep. And we we're talking about a Christian that, you know, he receives the word and he hears the word and sounds good. They're here for the show, and something happens. A, a problem comes up. I couldn't help this week, but think about the event at that school in Oregon, and and those poor people that lost their lives because they. What in contrast, to, you know, somebody hears the word, they go to church, they say I'm a Christian. Troubles mm-hmm. coming. And they flee. You know, we've all heard on the news the bravest guy in the world was the second guy that professed his faith in Christ at that shooting. The first guy had no idea what was coming. The second guy saw what happened to the first and then the second, third, fourth, and fifth all saw it. They had depth of faith. Their roots went deep down. They knew who Christ was because think about this for a moment. If you were one of the six or seven lined up and you saw what happened to the first one, we talked about this last night at the dinner table, What would number two do? What would you do if you were number two? And I took a step back and said, I don't know. I said, I I don't know. Here's here's a pastor standing up hope and saying, I would stand up and say I'm for Christ. If I was number two in line, what would be flashing through my mind? I saw what happened. I've got kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews, my wife, I've, I've got it all. If God's grace and mercy could just cover me, I don't have a religion next i I dodged a bullet literally but where do i stand with christ i know without a doubt if i stood there in the position number two and i said i am a christian god had mercy on stephen when he was stoned god had mercy on him god will have mercy for the number two guy in that line i have no doubt all those kids ever killed that this last week God's mercy. He greeted them at the gate personally. He came out and said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, could I do that? Could you do that? Praise God, I know you can. I know you can. He was sowing some seed and it fell beside the road and the birds, they came up and ate it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, and it, it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, and sc- it was scorched because it had no root, and it withered away. I th- think often about this one. This one weighs heavy on me. The sun had risen. It was scorched because it had no root, and it withered away. Martin and I, do we teach to give you root? Do we teach to give you depth of soil? Do we teach so that you understand what Christ is saying in his word? I tremble at the thought that I don't. I worry. I toss and I turn, thinking I might have said something wrong. I, you know, I get questions often after a service here. and I, Oh Lord, just let me either know the right answer or have the brave heart to say I don't know. Give me a week on that and I'll get back at you. Rather than looking so smart as that, that pastor that's got all the answers. Right, we don't have all those answers. But I do pray, Lord, let me have the ability to get the point of this text through to those that I stand in front of. The other seeds fell on the good soil, and they grew up and increased and yielded crop and produced 30 and 60 and 100fold. That's the camp I want to be in, I think. And he was saying, "He who has ears, let him hear." Hear. those who have ears in that crowd if you're in that crowd and you hear christ say that i heard it i know what he's talking about i get it and the other ones think he's a fool he doesn't know what he's talking about they don't have ears to hear they're not they don't have a heart to hear what christ is saying so this parable is it's not so much a parable about the sower as it is the soil in this story the sower never changes The the seed never changes. The soil changes. The sower in this story is the Son of Man. And he never changes. He is the same today as he was 2,000 years ago. He is the same today as he will be 2,000 years hence. The sower doesn't change. (laughs) And he is the Son of Man. Jesus is the sower either directly or indirectly in this in this story. You know, he, he's, in this particular story, he's talking to his disciples as well. And in, in the Great Commission, Matthew twenty eight, that we that's this is our responsibility. We, we are sowers as well. We are we cast the seed of the word. We spread the, the word in here is broadcast. It's an even distribution of the seed back and forth. And in Jerusalem they used to till the soil up after they put the seeds down. And that's what we are to do. We spread the word. We don't change the word. We don't change the sower. We change the soil. We get the message through to people so that the soil that they're planted in works. But the seed never changed. The seed is the message of salvation. In this text, the seed is the message of God's word salvation. Christ is talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about those that have ears listen. And the soil in the story is the condition of our hearts. The the, the heart is the problem in this parable. Not the sower. He's not the problem. He, He shows us the problems. He's casting out the seed, the word. And in the word, we see our shortcomings. We look at the text and we say, This one's written for me. The soil is the condition of the human heart in this parable. So there's four points about this. Four points in this I want to get to about the the heart condition in in this story. And just so you know, because we won't have time to get to it this week, we'll pick it up in 13. I, I want to pull something out broadly about the parable. But next week we'll look at the text and we'll see what Jesus says is the answer to these questions there's there's no room in here for any kind of dissection jesus says here's the, the parable and verse 13 says do you not understand this parable how will you understand all the other parables this is the most important one pay attention to it the sower sows the word these are the ones who are, who are beside the road and with the word is sown and when they hear immediately satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them so next week we'll look at what Jesus... You can read ahead of me this week. Read 13 through 25 this week. And see what Jesus' answer is. But as an overview on the parable today, there's four points about the soil and this human condition. There's the hard heart, there's a superficial heart, there's a divided heart, and there's a fruitful heart in here. The, the the hard heart, verse 15. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown... And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word that has been sown in them. They hear the word, but as soon as they hear it, Satan comes along and snatches it from them. Think about, in a small church like this, it's not going to be as uh, common. This is a big church, harvest in Riverside, thousands of people. And within the thousands of people, there's probably hundreds they come every Sunday, That they don't. they're going with a friend, mom's dragging them in, they, they saw something on TV, let's go hear about it Sunday before we go to brunch. They hear the word of God preached by Greg Laurie, and they hear it, and they say, that's great, and they leave the building, and they go to lunch, and they forget all about it. Satan came into that heart, into that hardened heart, and said, oh no buddy, this word isn't for you, and they forget about it. That's the first one. The second one is the superficial heart. Verses 16 and 17. In a similar way, Jesus' words, in a similar way, these are the ones whom the seed has sown on rocky places. So when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with great joy. A superficial heart, though, they hear it with great joy and they go on about their business. That was a great word, pastor. I'll think on it, pastor. i got to clean up my life before I come back again, pastor. I've got things to do, pastor. I can't. It's a good word. I receive it. It's, just, it's like like when you skip a rock on the lake, and it just skips. They heard it, and it skipped right on by it. That's the second group that Jesus is referring to. They received the word, they responded, but there's no root Enabling it to grow. Next point on that one is when the pressure and the persecution come, they fall away. I'm a good time Christian. I'm a, when things are rolling, baby, I'm the best Christian there is. But when that first little problem comes up, you know, in our Bible study, the stones, I thought about this, Those stones, you'd have to be there to, to see it. But the, but the stones are there, and the persecution comes, and that stone gets knocked away. Contrasting that to what we saw in the news during the week about those kids. That stone stood strong. That stone stood strong. It's easy believism. I, was, I couldn't get that one just past spell check, so I hope it's a word. easy believism. They have no sound doctrine, no real gospel, no nothing to hold them down. That's one of the, the, the main reasons. I, 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 sometimes we, we talk about this this week too. It's doctrine. Sometimes we... We kind of roll our eyes. Oh, he's going over doctrine again. Can't can't we hear a message on how we can be prosperous in this life and how we can fill our bank accounts and get that jet plane that we always wanted and stop at this doctrine thing? The core of the church that was built up on the doctrines of Christ. If we err in our doctrine, it's a big deal. And if I err... If Martin errs in his doctrine and my doctrine, we stand up here and teach and preach. Oh, baby. I am deathly afraid of error in doctrine. And just signing a card or just walking an aisle or just close your eyes and say this prayer. You know, I, I don't mock it because when I came to faith in high school... I, I did all that. I, I signed the card at Grace Baptist Church in Glendora, and, and I did walk the aisle. It must have been 15 times that summer to make sure I got it right. I did just close my eyes, and the pastor said, Raise your hand. No one's looking. That's not right. Stand up and proclaim the gospel. Let all the eyes look in upon you. Let them all cast their eyes down and see that you have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Not close your eyes and hope nobody sees you. That's crazy stuff. Again, i don't mock it, but I really don't see the doctrine behind that. Third one. In this text, we see a divided heart. Verses 18 and 19. And the others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches and desire for other things enter in and choke the word front and it has become unfruitful. That's pretty plain in the, in the text. There's, Leave that one rest. I want to wrap it up with the last one. A fruitful heart. This is the camp. This is the camp that we need to be in. The fruitful heart. Verse 20. Those are the ones whom the seed is sown in the good soil. The fruitful heart it's the seed sown in the good soil. This is not my take on the text. This is, if, if you had a red letter Bible, this is in red. This is Jesus' words. And those are the ones in whom the seed, the word of God that was sown by somebody, either one of the disciples or Christ himself or us as Christians somewhere down the road. They hear the word and they accept it and they bear fruit, 30 and 60 and 100 fold. That's the camp that we are in. And I don't have time, but... Let the takeaway from this and I hope the takeaway works with the time constraint what kind of heart do we have you don't have to raise your hand and say mine's stony at this moment mine's a little bit sketchy at this moment and all of us have Christ in our hearts in this congregation I'm confident of that so if we have a responsibility based on this text to do something we are to go and bear good fruit We, as Christians, because of a change of our stony heart and coming to faith in Jesus Christ, we are to go out and cast the same seed. Don't change the seed. Right? We're not going to get a a, a GMO taint on on a seed and change it up a bit because Jesus might be just a bit too offensive for my Uncle Charlie. We need to tell Uncle Charlie, this is Christ and this is his message. We are to seed cast, broadcast evenly. The same seed that Christ preached and passed. And what was that? It was the word. We don't change it up. When those those dicey parts of the Old Testament come along, we can't say, that's the Old Testament, guys. We're just going to skip past this and look at the good stuff. Or when we get to the New Testament and and Jesus is interacting with people and and calling sin, sin, and we can't say, "Uh, we'll skip this one next week. We cast the same seed that Jesus Christ cast unashamedly, boldly. And it's not when we feel like it. We need to be doing this a lot. And as you know, I'm not the kind of evangelist that goes up to every person I pass on the street and says, give me five minutes of your time, buddy. You know? But when I do see the opportunity, I try to share Christ with somebody. And that's all he wants us to do. So bear good fruit, sow the seed, the same seed of the gospel in the lives of others, and then after...